Hello, and welcome to the Top 3, a podcast where we discuss the definitive rankings of everything. I'm your host, Kieran Davey. Today, I am joined by Jacko Duque to discuss the top three episodes of the TV show Community. Let's dive in. Hi, Jacko. Thanks for taking the time to join me today on the top three. Happy to have you here. Hey, man. Super happy to be here. I'm really excited to talk about community today. You're joining us today down from Panama, correct? Yep, I'm in Panama. Oh, nice. The top three continues being a global podcast, which we love to see. We're going to be talking about community, a beloved TV show. started as a bit of a cult classic and I think has maybe widened in popularity over the years. Would you be able to provide like a summary just for any viewers who might not be as familiar? Yeah, I feel like the way I would describe it is a group of misfits together doing wacky situations in a TV show that on the surface looks like any other sitcom you've seen with a pretty diverse cast. But deep down, it's it's more of a show about accepting yourself, accepting others, and trying to make fun of the tropes that are usually found in TV shows, especially sitcoms and movies using those tropes to provide an, an emotional punch. That's how I would sell it. You, yeah, you touched on a few things that I think are really key and we'll probably come back to later. The diversity of the cast, I think, is important, but then especially the playing with tropes, both honoring and making fun of, and then the emotional punch, I think, are really key. And so, yeah, so it's a comedy show about, yeah, six characters kind of at a community college. One of the best kind of ensemble groups, I think, from Pierce, kind of the older baby boomer, and then down to, like, young Troy, who's played by Donald Glover athletic, like just fresh out of high school kind of guy. Big range of characters. Absolutely. And, and I think a part of the range of characters is the range that these actors have. It takes you a while to, to recognize their, their strengths, especially when, when, you're, when you're talking about Chevy Chase, right? Like the guy who plays Pierce. I was super biased at first when I saw he was in the cast and I was like, I don't want him see this guy. But then you realize they're, they're, they're usually trying to write whatever scenes he's in as a sort of inside joke about how he is in real life, using his strengths as an actor to make fun of him, not not necessarily like using him in the way Chevy Chase used to be back in like the 70s in SNL, which was like this super like cocky guy and, and then like everything goes right for him or whatever. No, he's, he's like kind of not a great person in this show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Definitely some lots of meta commentary going on in the show. And I think it's interesting because Chevy Chase, I think at the start of Community, he was definitely the most famous cast member. And now I feel like Donald Glover has just totally eclipsed him oh, yeah, in terms of his music and movies and everything. But before we get too far down the rabbit hole, how did you first encounter Community? Like, how did you find the show? I was in the, this comic book message board back in the day, and everyone started talking about this show, which, again, to me, it looked like a generic NBC sitcom right and but it started like blowing up among the the more like nerdy crowd and among people who who sort of valued the craft and had seen the, the trajectory of of tv in, in those years so i saw it and at first i thought it was fine uh but nothing great especially the, the pilot which i think it works but it, it didn't really sell me as oh wow what an amazing show you know but i, I realized i was starting to not just see like what an amazing show it was as, as the episodes went by but I was connect, connecting with it on an emotional level, like it had never happened to me before. You got to remember, this was a time when Two and a Half Men, How I Met Your Mother, 
the Big Bang Theory. These were like the, the big famous sitcoms back in, in, in that time. And they all seem to follow like the, the traditional sitcom model with four cameras, a laugh track, and whereas community tended to, to pick up more on the style that was previously built on by Scrubs, by Arrested Development, and even 30 Rock to a certain extent, right? Like the single camera, no laugh track, like go a little bit more out there with the storylines, the mixing drama with comedy. Yeah, I, I noticed how, how different it was. I totally agree with you in that it feels very unique as a show, but also something that evolved over time. I agree with you, the pilot feels more standard sitcom. There's some shows afterwards that I think have kind of tried to imitate. It's sort of like quirky, reference-heavy, yeah, unique brand. For me, when I discovered it, similarly to you, I heard about it from friends via word of mouth. And one thing that typically for me is indication of how, you know, how interesting something should be is not about how popular it is, like how many people have seen it, but more how many people love it. And that's what I found was people who had seen it, which was not, was not a ton of people, but the ones that had seen it were A, people really liked and respected their opinions and stuff, but also they like really loved it. I would quote it and it was like something that people, when you watch it and get into it, it's something that you love, uh, especially those first couple seasons. It was something that, yeah, me and my friends were really, really into. Diehard fans, yeah, it, it, it had a, a really strong, strong group of people that, that, that followed the show, that loved the show, that could rewatch this show as many times as possible. I think my first rewatch was around the time when season three ended, where like we didn't know what was going to happen with the show, because critically the show was amazing, but the ratings were, were not great at all. I remember it, it, the season th three had ended, and at the same time I was going through like a very... Uh, serious or, or difficult time for me emotionally. I was dealing with like a breakup, depression. And I remember just rewatching it and, and connecting even more with the characters, like feeling like, like this kind of feeling like you're finding a new family, right? There's just little things like that that make TV shows or, or movies or, or entertainment in general stick with you in the long term, right? Yeah, both what the show is made of, but also where you're at when you experience it. You can totally relate to it in different ways, and often revisiting it makes you appreciate new things, right? Absolutely, absolutely. I think the show is made to be revisited in terms of how rich it is with all the different Easter eggs and references, and you can just always discover new stuff. One thing that you mentioned, the kind of uncertain production of the show... You know, the first three seasons, and then there was uncertainty with what was going to happen. Of the six seasons, do you view them all kind of equally, or is there a discrepancy? No, there, there, there's definitely a discrepancy. I feel like the golden era was definitely season two and season three. Yeah, I totally agree. Season one, great episodes, but for the most part, it's, it's hit and miss. Season four is absolutely the worst, in my opinion. It's also the season after the creator of the show Dan Harmon had left. So they, they hired some other showrunners to, to run the show. But season four felt like fan fiction. It felt like, like let's say they hire you and me. Like we can love the show, but we, we maybe don't have like a, the experience or, or the genius of, of Dan Harmon to, to write this show as, as he used to do. Season five and season six are, it almost feels like a different kind of show, not in a bad way, but it's difficult to compare those to the golden era, which is season two and season three. I do think that the show matured in some ways that it had not achieved in the earlier seasons. They were able to do some things that maybe they weren't allowed to do back in the day. They took some risks. Some of them worked, some of them didn't. So as a whole, it doesn't feel as great as the first two seasons. It's not the same, but it's definitely way better than, than season four. 
yeah, no, I, I agree. I definitely view season two and three as the golden era. Number one being when they're kind of just finding their legs and getting set up. But then two and three is when they can really do what they do best. And then, yeah, season four is even referred to, I think, within the show itself as like the, the year of the gas leak or something. The gas like, leak. We don't know what happened that year. It's a weird year. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's kind of fun, the being kind of self-aware in that way. Yeah, a lot of meta humor in, in community. Yeah, I want to chat a little bit about what makes Community unique as a show. Meta humor, something we like have already mentioned. Absolutely. My favorite part of it, I think, is probably the way they do homages to genre and tropes and other shows and movies. Yeah. So I was just making a quick list beforehand of different things that had been parodied or referenced. They've done like westerns and action movies and Star Wars, Batman, horror movies, fantasy like stop motion, Christmas specials, Law and Order, history documentaries, generic sitcoms, gangster shows, mockumentaries, musicals, video games. And that's like just a short list. Like there's so much more. Very specific references that also go broad. Spoof these ideas and play with them and make fun of them, but also do them really, really well. Like they understand some of these tropes and genre conventions really well. And I think it's it's really impressive how it still feels unified as a show that is playing with so many different motifs and like styles exactly i think the general episodes are are one of the main elements that the make community stand out within that that all the pop culture references even when they're not spoofing any specific movie i think it's also important to to note that even though community is pretty well known for doing those those spoofs very well the reason they work is because they use the genre to to pack an emotional punch or to deliver something that's funny and complex right but it, it needs to be using the genre as a mechanism in, in some way. Yeah. When the genre motifs work best is when they are like deeply connected to the characters and they have that emotional core. That emotional piece, which you've mentioned a few times, is something that makes you come back. Because it's fun to watch the genre conventions, but really it's when you care about the characters and they make you feel things. Yeah, absolutely. I think another one of the things that make community unique, I think it's it's important also to highlight the story circles that, that Dan Harmon sort of built the episodes around. The basic structure of it was like, it's like a circle divided in eight pieces to sort of structure the episodes. And it goes something like this. It's like the person or the character is in a zone of comfort, right? And, and the second step is, but they want something. The third one is they enter an unfamiliar situation. Four, they adapt to it. Five, they get what they want. Six, pay a price for it. Seven, then return to their familiar situation. Eight, having changed. That is fascinating to me because not only does he use it to build the episodes, but it's also like self-referenced in, in some episodes, specifically third Christmas episode, the one that's like the, the musical in season three. The seasons are like part of the story circle because that, that, that part of the story circle uh, of like characters paying a heavy price for it is usually in the third quadrant, right? And season three would be in like the, the third quadrant. And that maybe was robbed from Dan Harmon because I think a season four written by him would have been completely different and a lot more complete if he had written that one specifically things about Jeff's dad and other things he, he was building towards yeah like using the story circle both as a kind of structure within the episode but then also overall for the series as a whole exactly Dan Harmon is an interesting character widely respected and also sometimes controversial in some ways too he has not been without his own fair share of controversy oh Oh, yeah. Yeah, a bit of an interesting legacy, but I think definitely his kind of creative influence and drive definitely defined community those first three seasons and then was missed in season four. And then anytime I think somebody has that much creativity and passion, it's not going to be all smooth sailing all the time, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. And I think he's also someone who 
who sort of recognizes his his mistakes. He's he's a complicated character. He has been problematic, of course, but he's also created some other great things like Rick and Morty, and I think he's brilliant. A big part of the reason why community worked. No, I agree. Definitely his his influence. And also, though, as we mentioned, the characters, too. I'm curious to know if you have a favorite character. I knew this was coming. Look, it's 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 a difficult question. It's a difficult question. I think Troy is someone I, I naturally would answer just because how funny his lines are and and knowing that a lot of it was also like improvised. But if look, I want to focus on, on, on someone who maybe lasted the whole six seasons. And since Troy left in the middle of season five, I'm going to put him aside. And I'm uh, probably, and this is, I know it's, a, it's an interesting choice, but I'm going to go with Britta. Oh, that is an interesting choice. <laughs> yeah, so here's the thing. I think Britta is really underrated. She starts out as uh, not a very well-written character. It, she starts out as sort of like the idealized version of, of a female character written by, by, by a man. But I think the way she evolves as a character is, is super interesting. And, and from what I've read, part of the reason why she evolved is because Gillian Jacobs, the, the actress, put a lot of herself into the character. Like 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 more of a of a goofy person and more vulnerable, not afraid to like be herself, fail and just keep going at it. And I, I really respect that. And I feel like season six is the season where she shines the most. I think season six is one of the most underrated seasons, even though I don't think it's the best or near the best. In part because of uh, of Britta, and in part because of the. Uh, the experimental way that they they did that season we can get into more detail about that later but yeah i think i think britta is someone i really care about even though i would find someone like troy funnier and i would relate to someone like abbott more or i would find someone like uh jeff and Shirley sort of more interesting to follow i don't know if that makes sense to you yeah no i know what you mean like i i think all the characters have you know they're also fun to watch in as a group and their dynamics obviously and each character has their own arcs but i think it's interesting that you choose britta because you you totally nailed it and at the beginning she's very much you know very cool very attractive you know not super fleshed out and by the end she becomes way more goofy and almost kind of like self-deprecating in, in a way that's more relatable yeah and yeah, yeah. her evolution is super interesting I think for for my favorite character, it's, you know, always has been and always will be Abed, I think, kind of a popular choice. But just a character that I feel like is unlike any character in a TV show I'd seen before. And just think he's absolutely hilarious. Yeah, so he's definitely my favorite. What do you think about the the replacement characters? Let's call them that. Just as a refresher, they're, they're Hickey, Elroy, and Frankie. Frankie. Yeah, to be honest, I would have a hard time remembering their names just because they always felt like replacement characters to me. Anytime you're trying to replace a beloved character who's been on the show for years with somebody new, the shoes are too big to fill. The show creators did a good job of still making the story roll, make the ship keep moving. But I think for me, the core six is always going to be at just another level from any other character in the show. No, I absolutely agree with you. I think Elroy and Frankie, those two highlights for me, and again, going back to season six, it's part of the reason why I feel it's underrated. They did a particularly great job in, in a few episodes. But yeah, they're, they're definitely not as great as, as the, the Greendale 7 or whatever. Yeah, fair enough. 
Speaking of season six, you mentioned kind of the experimental way that season six was done. And I was wondering if you could just share more about that. So after Dan Hartman was fired and they did season four and then rehired him to do season five, they canceled the show after season five. And then Yahoo Screen, which was supposed to... Sorry, I laugh, but it's just amazingly funny to me that Yahoo Screen used to be a thing. <laughs> I, I don't think anyone's going to remember that in, in, in a yeah. couple of years. But, but <laughs> Yahoo Screen, which was like the new streaming service, picked it up and everyone was like super happy. I remember like the Die Hard community fans were like posting like beautiful things about Yahoo. <laughs> but yeah, they, 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 they picked it up and a lot of things changed. Uh, first of all, the business were not constrained to the typical 22-minute format of uh, network sitcoms which it's usually 22 plus like the time for ads, right? Which rounds up to like half an hour. Uh, so some of the episodes were longer. They were like 30 minutes, 31 minutes, 28 minutes. I don't, I don't remember the exact length, but they were longer. That allowed them to sort of extend a few jokes a little bit more, which definitely changed the way the, the speed or like the, the dynamic between characters was playing out. I wouldn't say in a bad way. It was just different because the show uh, in seasons two and three was like very fast, quick cuts and stuff. And in season six, they gave the jokes a little bit more room to breathe, the characters to react, to sort of like stare at each other closer to what you would do in real life, I would say. And to just do the, these like longer jokes that felt more absurd. I think a lot of season six is a little bit more absurd. Not necessarily those spoofs they do or whatever, because I don't think they do a lot in season six. But just in terms of how ridiculous the, the situations are and, and also the end tags they did, which in, in earlier seasons used to be more, uh, whatever, like Troy and Abbott rapping and, and, and whatever other silly short little things. In season six, it was mostly dedicated to characters that were not a part of the show, just like weird, weird, weird moments. And that was hilarious to me. But again, it did feel a little bit like a different type of show, a show I still love, but was not the same speed or the same um, the same dynamic as it used to be. I think it's still great. I, I actually, I'm, I am a fan of season six, but I, I do view it through a different lens because it, it, it is it is very different in the way it's, it's, it's constructed. Yeah, totally. They're taking a bit of a different flow and, and pacing than the stories and the jokes and the way the story is told also changes. Yeah, absolutely. We've kind of gone big discussion. Do you want to shift now to focus on what some of the best episodes of Community are? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Or do you have anything you want to say like big picture first? I think there's two things worth mentioning about, about Community overall. Number one is that, especially for people who are rewatching, any comedy, and this applies more to comedy than, than drama most of the time, but like any comedy, some aspects can be problematic looking back. Like, again, like I said with Britta, the way they, they write female characters, topics like race or, or LGBT issues. I do think the show course corrected a lot by the end. For example, the, the, the quote-unquote gay dean episode was was pretty good, um, especially compared to how they had treated the Dean's sexuality before. Like he's he's like a, a pansexual character, but maybe before it was it was played up as a joke a little bit too much. I, I did like the way they, they ended up doing it in, in season six though, and, and sort of like him being a little bit more empowered about it, and, and also being like this shouldn't be a, a big deal. Um, so th that's one thing, and. Another thing about community is a world that you both feel a part of and you want to be in. And I think that's, that's part of what made me connect with the show. Whether it's like the, the, everything that had to do with the, the pillow forts, the blanket forts, 
or, or the, the constant paintball games. Just everything about it makes you want to live in that world. And it's because it felt very magical, right? It felt very out there. The, the latter seasons are a little bit more grounded, which is not a bad thing. It just, it's just different. It's just different. And I think that's part of the magic of those, those that like golden era of, of community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of this like, almost like fantasy world where everything seems super fun and interesting and engaging and these wacky adventures are happening, but in a way that makes you want to be a part of them because it still has that emotional core too. Yeah, and I'm also glad that you mentioned the kind of problematic pieces, something that's kind of been talked about a lot recently. I know I, I mentioned it briefly on my last episodes when we did the musicals, but I think that now it seems like culture is changing quite quickly in terms of what is acceptable and what is not, especially in a comedic frame. And I'm glad that community was something that was able to adjust itself a little bit. There's some shows that I think rely more on problematic humor, but there are some issues that, you know, going back, you're like, oh, this is something that they probably wouldn't do now, at least not in the same way. Yes, I, I, I agree. I agree. I appreciate the fact that they have a pretty diverse cast, and there's some ways that they would handle that. Like, I think especially the way that they looked at different religions, I think, is really interesting. Oh, yeah. You don't really see TV characters with religions, at least not in the way that they're portrayed a little more complexly. And I think that's really interesting. One of the highlights of, of season one for me, I think it was the Christmas episode in season one, even though Christmas wasn't like a, a big deal. But that's the episode where everyone comes out like saying, oh, I'm, I'm Jewish, I'm, I'm Muslim, I'm, I'm an atheist, I'm an agnostic. And, and that, was, that was great. Because it shows, it shows that you can, you can be friends, you can be family, you can be in relationships, whatever, with people from different religions, or even without a religion, of course. And, and that's really important to me as, as someone who, who identifies as an agnostic atheist, to, to see that in the TV show, you know, because like, usually people are, are, are made up to be a, a sort of more cartoon version of what they actually are, whether you're like a, a militant atheist or like a super like conservative christian or whatever and it, it was good to see those tropes being used in, in a in a kinder way especially with with shirley for example who who is like this uh guilt tripping christian but they they made her sort of realize uh, like the quote-unquote error of her ways without really eliminating her faith with because that's not the idea like to the end of the show she's still a christian she just becomes a better person you know yeah, exactly. It's not as much making fun of her faith, but more making fun of some of the traits that she has and then the way she uses her faith through those character traits. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And and the show generally, I think, helps show people are more than their identities in terms of visible or their you know sexuality or religion or whatever. I think it's cool to see characters being feeling like fully formed characters as opposed to just kind of cartoons. With the exception, maybe I think sometimes Pierce feels a little less fully formed but even then i think he still gets to have moments where you feel his reasons why he is the way he is pierce pierce was a weird one i think i think there was some sort of character development in season one they they were making him to be a more like a father figure for jeff but then they they, they took a completely different path with him in season two and made him like the villain of the season and after that i feel like i didn't really know what to do with them anymore i feel like the, the actor felt something similar he was also super tired of the long hours that they, that he needed to work in community he did not get along with dan Harmon. he's also not a great person like he's famously he's famously a douche <laughs> yeah i think i think they they eventually didn't know what to do with him so it was kind of like just a cartoon, cartoon version of what pierce was you know yeah hard to say how much the actor ended up shaping the character and, and what they ended up doing with it i, I agree with you 
Well, maybe now's a good time for us then to pivot towards top three episodes. Yeah. So you probably have a, a huge list. How many generally like rough number do you have that you're thinking, okay, these are the ones that come to mind for me? It's so hard. Like I, I was trying to pare it down to like a few. It's around eight episodes. Okay. That's, that's roughly similar to what I have. Three is tough. Why don't we have like five each and we'll kind of go back and forth and see maybe if we have some overlaps and a chance to give some love to some episodes even though they don't pop into the top three. Okay, I think one that I would would have in my top five for sure, Paradigms of Human Memory. That's late in, in season two. It's a great episode because the sitcom trope of, of doing a clip show just to like either save up on money or, or like buy a little extra time for the writers and the actors to to catch up with uh, with deadlines. And and when this episode started, you thought you were actually just going to see a clip show, but it, it ends up being like a clip show of clips we have never seen. The peak of meta humor that they were building towards, right? And I also like that it, even though it's, it's just making fun of that trope, it still gives a lot of character development through it with the whole revelation that Britta and Jeff were, you know, being, like they had been together like throughout the season without anyone knowing and also showing how both Britta and Jeff were a little bit uh, they were not that great towards the other characters in, in throughout the season they were a little selfish and it ends up with the typical Jeff Winger speech that is both about everything and nothing you know because it just keeps transitioning to like one scene to the other I like it my only complaint about the episode is that Maybe if you've never seen the show before, it, it wouldn't stand alone as well. But I don't know if that should disqualify it, to be honest. Yeah, it's it's going to be tough to say because some of the ones that are the best episodes are the best because of you understanding the characters and of having some investment originally. I'm glad you mentioned it, though, because I agree that it's unique. It's a flashback kind of clip show that uses all original clips and also still advances like key plot points, which doesn't really happen in, in clip shows like that. And is very self-aware in terms of referencing, yeah, the Jeff Winger speech and things like that. So I'm glad you mentioned it, because I, th- I also think it's fantastic. Exactly. One that I'll mention that I think is frequently talked about, and one that, for me, really made me realize, like, oh, this is, like, a whole different type of show, is Modern Warfare from Season 1, with the, the first paintball episode. The tone of the episode and the way it's done, very much more, like, action movie style, feels very different from other episodes and that's one that I think works really well as an introduction to community because it's like, here's the characters and here's who they are, but also here's like a clear example of a genre action movies. You know, it plays the genre in a really cool way. And it was one where I, early on I realized, wow, like this show is unique. I actually would include that one in, in my top five too. Written, written in a way that you don't really need to know the characters that much, like you said. It also feels like a complete story in itself. I like or enjoy the second paintball saga a little bit more, like the Western slash Star Wars one. But this one, I think, is, is, is a better made episode. It's definitely the highlight of that season, of season one. It's the episode that turned everyone's heads and, and, and people realized what the show could actually be. I wouldn't say it's my favorite episode, but I think it should be in any top five or, or, or maybe top three. We'll see, we'll see. <laughs> so what's another one that you have then that you really enjoy? So another one I would mention is uh, Remedial Chaos Theory. Okay, perfect. We're definitely aligning on a lot of these ones. <laughs> all right, all right. That's the multiple timelines episode, right? 
things happening from different perspectives, sort of like the, the Rashomon movie. I feel like, again, has a lot of heart. There's a darker underbelly to this episode that I, I feel some of the other community episodes don't have. Because to me, community is, is uplifting most of the time, right? And even though this one's super fun and everything, it, again, like season three, because I think season three might be the darkest season, it, it feels like a, like a really dark episode under, under the surface, like under everything that's happening. But first of all, it's, it's perfectly written. Like, it, it's an episode, again, you can show to anyone and, and it would work. But I think it just works perfectly. The jokes land. It's fast. It's faster than any other community episodes because each segment is, is super short, right? The, the amount of, of creativity it took to like align all, all the, the different timelines and, and the things that would change slightly when a character is not there, I think is the, the perfect use of the characters. And it shows how, it, it very, very similar to real life, like uh, you, you might be in a group of friends and when one friend is there, you know, you, you maybe you're not comfortable saying or doing a, a particular thing. And, and it's the same with, with that group of friends. And, and just watching that on screen makes you appreciate the characters a lot more. And when I mentioned the dark part of the of the episode, it's the fact that Jeff, uh, when when Jeff leaves, it ends up being like everyone's happy and everyone celebrates and, and nothing bad happens, like the perfect timeline. And that that's a a pretty heavy commentary on the show's part. Mm-hmm. Super interesting, and I agree with you in that it's probably the best written episode. I think both from a structure perspective and from examining the characters and what they bring and maybe take away when they join the group. Another one that I think is really well written and that I would have mentioned is uh, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. I think another kind of early favorites. Probably I think one of the TV episodes where sound design and music makes the biggest impact. You know, you're seeing this Dungeons and Dragons game play out as riffing on a whole bunch of fantasy tropes, but you're never seeing any visuals. It's all just audio and descriptive, and yet it still is super compelling and exciting. And I think that is like just a super creative way to tell an episode and would be really hard to pitch, I think. If you're like, yeah, they all just sit around the table and they just describe it and we just hear sounds and stuff. But it's so fun to watch. I absolutely agree. Again, that one would be in my top five. So we're, we're pretty aligned here. Funny thing that you mentioned that, that the, the whole pitching this episode would be really hard because apparently trying to pitch that episode was, was a, a complete pain in the ass for, for the creator. It's it's also one of the episodes with the most heart, one of the episodes that, that makes you care about what's happening, the most. Even though nothing is really happening, it's a it's a pretend game in the middle of the study room. But you know what? I think that that adds a lot to the value of the episode, and it's the fact that it's every single character in the same place, like almost like a like a bottle episode, right? Which is where like an episode where, where no characters leave the the room, um, all of them interacting with each other and just building towards something bigger. So it uses the, the dynamics between the characters and, and, and raising the stakes so that it all feels super important, building towards like this amazing moment. So yeah, I think it's, it's one of the, the most perfect episodes for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. Fun fact though, fun fact is that this show was removed from some of the streaming services last year. In this particular case, it's because Shang, when he's dressed as a troll, they interpret that as, as blackface. So yeah, it's it's a, it's an important thing to note about this this episode. Yeah, I think it is important to note. I do think in the episode that that's not shown as something good at all. Yeah, I think it's a commentary on some of the racism that is present in some of these fantasy films, like Lord of the Rings is all white guys. Exactly. But 
anyway, I'm glad that we've been overlapping so much on these episodes. Do you want to each mention maybe like one more? I'll mention one more from my side. Yeah, you know what? I think I'm going to do it. I'm going to mention both critical film studies and conspiracy theories and interior design. And I'll talk about critical film studies first. Critical film studies is a very unique episode of Community. First of all, it's mostly just Abbott and Jeff sitting down talking. It's an interesting one because it starts like, like very serious and you think it's going to be Pulp Fiction spoof too because the, the, the part of the group is just waiting in a bar all dressed up as the Pulp Fiction characters. And yeah, maybe that would have been good, but also would have been obvious because that's what Community already did a lot of. So the fact that it became this spoof of this very obscure movie, but at the same time while the episode was going on, we, we didn't really know it was a spoof until like maybe like halfway through the episode. I think that was brilliant. And and how Jeff, who is usually a more guarded character, ends up like opening up a lot, opening up a lot to, to Abbott uh, is interesting. The fact that they mentioned how in season one, Abbott and Jeff were super close and, and they didn't really hang out that much in season two was also pretty clever, I thought. So I think that's, that's one, of my, one of my favorite episodes. And then Conspiracy Theories and Interior Design just I think it's the the episode I connect with the most at just like a like a personal level. I think it's one of the most fun episodes. I don't know if it's like a top three episode, but I think it's definitely one of the the best episodes of community for me. It's the episode where like Jeff and Annie are and it's like this little side quest. But it, it becomes this like whole conspiracy theory where like everyone's in on it. And, and but at the same time, while this is happening, it like it's like a whole other episode is happening. And it's Abbott and Troy building a blanket fort. And at some point of the episode, the two stories connect because uh, Annie and, and Jeff go through the blanket fort. And it just it's a perfect example of, of community world building uh, because you see these little things inside the blanket fort and, and these other side characters also interacting with, with the cast and, and how they're individuals that have you know, separate lives that also intersect. It's a great episode because of that. My only complaint is that that was at the point where they didn't really know what to do with Britta. So she's in it for like, I don't know, like two minutes at the most. So yeah, that, that, those are the ones I would mention. Yeah, sidelining your favorite character a little bit, maybe in that episode. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad that you mentioned both of those. I totally agree with you in that. I think Critical Film Studies is another one that maybe is a tough pitch. If you're like, hey, we're going to have two films we're referencing, Pulp Fiction and My Dinner with Andre. But we're going to go hard into the My Dinner with Andre references and the Pulp Fiction we're kind of just leaving in the background. Like, I think that's such a wild idea. And I like the fact that they even play with that. The fact that you, you don't know it's a reference for most of it because, like Jeff, none of us have seen that movie. And so I think they, they play with that concept. And I, it's super well written, super great, like, character episode for Jeff and Abed. I think it's fantastic. And I'm also really glad you mentioned the Conspiracy Theory episode because... That's an episode, I think it's not as big as like Modern Warfare or Paradigms of Human Memory or something in terms of like the concept, but it's one of my personal favorites. I like really love it. I think it's like fantastic storytelling. And I also think it's just really, really funny. I don't know, but it's both, it's one of our both personal faves. So maybe it is deserving to be in there because I think it's fantastic. I'm glad you mentioned that. Maybe, maybe, maybe. We have seven episodes, I think, that we mentioned. Obviously, we could totally keep going and mention whole bunch of other ones we haven't mentioned any of the halloween episodes or digital estate planning which is the video game one or like uh abed's uncontrollable christmas and there, we, there's so many other ones that we could go on 
but I feel like these six that we have here, I'm pretty comfortable for us to work with and try to get a top three out of that. Are there any others that you feel like you really that need to be in there, or are you comfortable with these six that we have? No, you know, I, I you mentioned the the Halloween one, which I think is a theme in, in this podcast because I think there's a lot of references to to Alba, and you recently had a, an episode about Alba. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I don't know if, if I would include that one in my top three anyway, even though it's, it's a really great episode. It's it's very Troy heavy, which is great for me, but it's it doesn't feel as much of us as an ensemble episode as the others. Okay, well then let's work with these six that we have. I would pitch that since the conspiracy theory episode is both of our personal faves, or one of them, I would put that we place that one in the top three tentatively. I think that would be a good one to toss in. And also, you know, maybe a bit of a controversial choice. I don't know, but happy to have that one be there. Let's do it. Let's do it. Well, let's do it. Shake things up a little bit. <laughs> all right. Of these... Oh, man, this is gonna be so hard. Those six are all really good. Whatever one is number four, I'm, like, I'm gonna be wrestling with. And whoever listens to this is gonna be disagreeing hard, probably. Yeah, exactly. I'll probably disagree with it once we finish recording. <laughs> <laughs> so what's one that you think you might rise above others. Could I maybe suggest one that should not be in the top three? Yeah, please. So I, I think vertical film studies maybe shouldn't be in the top three. Fantastic character episode, but maybe isn't quite at the same level as some of the other ones. Um, just because it, it maybe also is so Abed and Jeff heavy. Exactly, exactly. Got to think about like the perfect balance of comedy and story. We just eliminated uh, critical film studies because it doesn't really have most of like, the cast interacting. I think that's a, a good criteria to have. It needs a, a wow factor. It doesn't have to be a, a gimmick or a bit, but, you know, that, that wow factor that a lot of the episodes have. Personally, I think that the episodes need to have a lot of heart. We've talked about, about the emotional punch that, that a lot of community has, so, so maybe something around that. Okay, so I think probably remedial chaos theory is one that we can move up just because it's kind of, kind of brilliant storytelling and analyzes the, like, the dynamics of each character like modern warfare for example i was thinking maybe we should move down because it is focused on jeff quite a lot you see him interact with other characters but it feels like it's his episode whereas remedial chaos theory is very much one where we get to see the dynamics of all the characters and the way they interact with each other in different groups and so i would maybe suggest that we move remedial chaos theory into the top three and then move modern warfare out of the consideration i agree with moving remedial chaos theory up I'm still, I'm still trying to think about Modern Warfare. Modern Warfare is pretty fun. <laughs> Maybe let's not eliminate it completely. Let's let's put a put a pin on it and, and see what happens. But so far, we got Conspiracy Theories and Interior Design and Remedial Chaos Theory in the top three. I think maybe Advanced Dungeons & Dragons has all those criteria. I don't know what you think. There's also one that I was thinking about because it has all the cast interacting. It's super well-written. Definitely really creative and kind of has that bit of the community like X factor where it's something that no other show could do. I would be comfortable with that. And that means that we would leave Modern Warfare and Paradigms of Human Memory out of the top three. Yeah. How, why do you feel about that? I mean, it's tough because they're all great. But I mean, like, you know, we're going to end up with some great episodes that are not in there. Yeah. And I, and I do feel like those two in particular don't really have... Again, like, like you mentioned, the uh, modern warfare is very Jeff heavy. Maybe it's lacking a little bit more of the most, the, the, sorry, the more emotional punch. Even though there's a little bit of a Brita Jeff development there, it's, it's maybe a little bit more superficial. And then paradigms of human memory is is great. Well, paradigms of human memory might be more fun 
after you've dived deep into the show. The reason it's great is because you know it's episodes you haven't seen. Like, the clips and the flashbacks are things you've never seen before, and that's why it's great. Whereas I think these three episodes that we named, that are top three, I think could be both beloved by people who have seen every episode of Community, and, like, they're super in- into it. Or if you just show one of those episodes somebody who's never seen an episode of Community before, I still think they would be like, wow, this is this is a great show, and I, I really loved it. That's a great point. I think I, I completely agree with you. Overall, it works. Uh, all, all those three work, work uh, perfectly if you haven't seen the show. Sweet. Do we, do we want to rank them? One, two, three? I think we have to. Okay, awesome. So then, maybe just because of the order that we had tossed them out we mentioned that conspiracy theories interior design is more of like a personal fave as opposed to maybe yeah. being like ultimately iconic so that one probably shouldn't be number one no i think that one should be number three if i'm if i'm being really honest oh yeah you think so okay cool i'm comfortable with that yeah and i'm not absolutely sure because my, my personal bias is, is fighting it but i think if i'm if i'm being a little bit more objective it, it should be okay okay that's our personal fave that we're tossing in and then since Remedial Chaos Theory was the one that we tossed in pretty quickly, do you want that one to be number one and then Dungeon Dragons to be number two? Yeah, I'm leaning towards that. I, look, Remedial Chaos Theory is the episode that I always think about and that I have watched the most, I think. For me, it's the community episode. And it's in season three, which is interesting because I don't think we mentioned a lot of season three episodes apart from this one. I think we mostly mentioned episodes from season two and then one from, from season one. Yeah, I think season two is my personal favorite, but yeah, good to have some love for for season three. I also maybe is good that we're putting the advanced Dungeons and Dragons as number two, just because as we mentioned, we can't actually view it on some streaming platforms right now, and it has some element of controversy because of that. That's true. That's true. Maybe it's good to put Remedial Chaos Theory as number one. Yeah, agreed, agreed, a hundred percent agreed. Sweet. So then our top three kind of community episodes. We have number three, conspiracy theories and interior design. Number two, Advanced Dungeons & Dragons. And number one, Remedial Chaos Theory. I'm pretty happy with that. That's, that's pretty good. I'm, I'm really happy with that, actually. Yeah. It, it turned out... I feel comfortable with that. I, I didn't know if I was going to feel comfortable with it. Well, there's a lot of good ones, as you mentioned. There's so many good ones. And, and then, as usually, like, with... Uh, even with, like, albums, right? You, you might mention the hits and the singles. And then there's some deep cuts that you always want to mention, but, but you don't really feel comfortable including in the top five or maybe a top ten. But, but I'm, I'm comfortable with this list. Yeah, we got some hits. We got maybe a deep cut. I don't know what the general consensus is on the conspiracy theory episode, but maybe it's everybody's personal favorite. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Sweet. Well, thanks, Jacko, for diving deep on community with me. Be- before we wrap up, do you want to leave uh, listeners with a piece of life advice? Yeah, a piece of life advice related to the show, right? Sure. Yeah. The main song in community was called Greendale is Where, Where I Belong, right? And, and I think it was fantastic because you see this group of misfits with big flaws and, and bad decisions just trying to make it and accepting themselves and accepting others and, and really just constantly evolving, right? And if anything, I think the life lesson is just be yourself, accept yourself, put yourself out there, and I think you will find your community eventually. Excellent. Man, life advice is perfectly tied in to both kind of the, the characters and theme of the show, but also maybe more meta in community style. It's also more meta about the kind of creation of the show. It's a show that was a little bit quirky and maybe was tough to pitch at times, but then ended up becoming super beloved and a bit of a cult classic. So it works on all levels. That's, that's very <laughs> fitting. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. 
Awesome. Well, thanks, Jacko. It's been a blast chatting with you. Thank you for having me. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. A big thank you to Jacko for joining me today. And thank you so much for listening to the top three. We hope that you enjoyed our discussion of the top three episodes of Community. If you would like to suggest a topic to be discussed, or you would just want to say hi, please leave a comment or message us on Instagram at the top three pod. You can also email us at the top three pod at gmail.com. The music featured in this podcast is by Sebastian Ochoa Mendoza. If you want to support the podcast, please tell your friends about it. I hope that you have a lovely day.